0: What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Song of Songs 1, verse 12, and I want you to keep your place in Song of Songs, chapter 1. That's where we're going to be today, but as you know, we go to multiple different places, Um. But that's always going to be where we are as we're going through this book. I've said before that you can teach this book as a book on marriage and relationship, and it fits. But we're teaching this book from a perspective that the king is Jesus and the bride is the church of Christ collectively, but also on an individual level so that we become people that are in love with this king And nothing else matters. And so, God, help us to receive your love. So, here we are. We're going to pick it up in verse 12. It says, while the king. See, some of us don't know Jesus as king, just savior. Just forgive me of my sins so I don't have to go to hell when I die. Now, listen. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Is he your king? That means you can't be king anymore. Is he in charge of your sexuality? Is he in charge of your wallet? Is he in charge of your time? She says, the king was on his couch. And I want you to highlight his couch because we'll be coming back to it. My nard gave forth its fragrance. My nard? (laughs) Nard represents kind of a, an alabaster perfume. It's like the story of the, the, the woman who was a, a sinner when, when she heard that Jesus was reclining at the table in Luke chapter seven at the Pharisees' house. She brought an alabaster flask of ointment and she, and she just started weeping and washing his feet with her tears, kissing his feet, with this ointment, with this nard, I want you to go to Second Corinthians chapter two, please. Second Corinthians chapter two. Again, keep your place in chapter one. This is the last time I'm going to say that. We're always going to be in Song of Songs. Second Corinthians chapter two. Now now listen, my next point is going to be in Second Corinthians chapter four. So stay in Second Corinthians as well. Like, Chris, would you make up your mind? No, I can't. I can't make it. It's just the word of God is just so cool, man. It's so amazing. It's so perfect. So, so, so listen, her fragrance is emanating out of her like this incense, this worship, this adoration. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us into triumphal procession. Some of you might need to highlight that, the negative Nancy's. I don't know about you, but I'm always being led into victory because Christ is in me. Even if I lose, I'm going to (sighs) win. Guys, this is why we have to have not culture dictate how we feel, or how we think, or societal norms, or what they're saying. No, this is my truth. And the reason why it's my truth, because it has nothing to do with me, it has everything to do with Jesus who is the truth, and all his truths need to become my truth. I don't want truths outside of his truth. And so today, I'm being led, we're being led in triumphant procession. We have the victory. And through us, through us, the fragrance, there it is. There's that, there's that nard, there's that fragrance. There's this fragrance of the knowledge of him. It goes everywhere when we walk as victorious people. And this is why those of us in Christ have to be very careful with a victim mentality. You may have been victimized when you were young by someone who abused you. But listen, but listen. God wants to come and heal and restore that and and bring you into a place of victory. We see Jeff, his video, Mike, Tutweiler last week, right, there was just failure and, and misery and mess-ups. But guess what? In Christ, victory. Victory. It's assured. Victory. And when we begin to walk like that with that little swag, it puts off an aroma and a fragrance. Debbie Downcast... That's the, that's the wrong kind of aroma. And see, what can bring you out of that? It is the love of God that changes everything. When you realize all that he has done for you, all of who he is in you, he is our victory. And we spread it everywhere. And verse 15, listen, it, it even gets better. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, we are the aroma of Christ. Say, I'm the, I'm the aroma of Christ. Look in the mirror right now. I'm the aroma of Christ. I'm the aroma. Like, get up every morning as you're brushing your nose. I'm the aroma of Christ. I'm the aroma of Christ. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Don't forget to put your deodorant on. <laughs> I did that a couple of weeks ago after the second sermon. I was like, oh, man, I forgot. I wasn't the aroma of Christ then. No, I was still <laughs> the aroma of Christ. Among those who are being saved, but among those who are perishing, guess what? Ooh, it's a different, why? See, darkness doesn't like the light. See, when people don't like me, I get concerned. I get concerned. Anyway, let's move on. Get off me. 13, 13, 13, my beloved, first... Now, again, keep your place in, in, in Corinthians. Let's go back to, to, to Song of Songs 1. My beloved to me is a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. So, myrrh was the, a very expensive burial spice that they put on bodies when they passed away. It's very costly. The wise men brought Jesus gold, frankincense, and what? Myrrh. See, the myrrh was speaking to the gold, speaking to Jesus being king, the incense that was speaking to him being the high priest, and the myrrh that was given foretelling that he would come and die for us. And so this represents death. And this love that she has, she's saying it's in between my breasts. What does that mean? Where is your heart? It's in between your breasts. This love is so strong. This love is so strong. I will die for you. I will die for you. Oh, man. Last week, if you missed it, go online. Stephen Corey, when he was telling about how he was being beaten and hit in the back, and, 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 and this, like, blanket came over him, and it just transformed him. Oh, man, I love you, Jesus. I mean, can you imagine that? Imagine being beaten and, and, and beat down for no reason, being accused because you love Jesus. And the first thing that you think is, I love you, Jesus. I don't know about you, but man, apart from God, run for us, run. I'm not thinking I love you, Jesus. Some of us, things happen. Oh, why me, God? I love you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, listen, 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 this is what we're going to see in our life as we walk with Christ, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, because we're so in love with him, see it says this, we have this treasure in jars of clay, by the way in in the Greek that was a jar that they used, a clay pot that they used to go number two in, if you know what I'm saying. This wasn't the fancy, nice vases. Is it vase or vase? I don't know. This, this pot in the Greek was the pot that... They didn't have toilets back then. So this was the pot that they... You know what I'm saying? The five-gallon bucket. And Scripture's saying that, that that were that. But his spirit's in us, breaking through us. As we're cracked jars, and the more cracks and the more brokenness, the more his glory shines out. That's why when, 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 when uh, Steve Corey was saying how he was beaten and how he was whipped and how he was bruised, the glory of God right, came through in his life in a different way. The more we receive brokenness and, and hurt and pain and woundedness, the more the glory of God breaks out. This is why Jesus says, those who have been forgiven much what? Love much. Don't don't miss the beauty of your failures to remind you of how great his love is. Oh, God, I want to be more broken so that only you shine. I'm just a broken pot, God, but you've placed your treasure in me. And so, verse 8, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying the body of death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Wow. Wow. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so that death is at work in us, but life in you. See, she, she, she understands this, that I will die with you. I have this myrrh, and it's, it's next to my heart. And I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to go wherever with you. Man, this is a strong love that she has. You'll see in chapter 8 of Song of Songs, right, that this, this, the many, many floods can't put out this fire. This love is as strong as death. Anyway, that's where we're going, and that's where God's taking you. Verse 14, Song of Songs, chapter one. My beloved to me is like a cluster, a cluster. Yeah, put bouquet of flowers, not just one. Jesus is not just one thing. It is an array. It is a bouquet. It is like, I can't even count. I can't even imagine. I can't even understand. I can't even comprehend how amazing he is. He's not just one flower. He's a bouquet of flowers that I can't even count. of henna. That word henna, Hebrew, K-O-P-H-E-R, K-O-P-H-E-R. It can also mean redemption or atonement. His beautiful bouquet is like redemption and atonement. I've been redeemed by his blood. The blossoms... In the vineyard of Engedi. Vineyard of Engedi, Engedi means this it means the fountain of the Lamb. Guys, everything points to Jesus. This bouquet, this redemption, this atonement, it springs forth from the fountains of the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the earth was laid. Oh, how he loves us. It all goes back to Jesus and his love. Verse 15, he says to her, behold, you're beautiful. Highlight beautiful. Remember, that's what I told you, right? In verse eight of chapter one, that was the first time beautiful was used. And now here's the second time beautiful is used. You are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. That's the third time. And your eyes, they're like doves. We'll get more into doves later today, Lord willing. The Lord loves her, enjoys her, even in her weakness, where she says in verse 6, don't gaze at me. She's like, don't look at me. And he's like, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. So many scriptures. You are the apple of my eye. I have more thoughts for you like the sand on the seashore. Zephaniah chapter three, I delight over you. I sing over you with joy and gladness. Some of us have no concept of that because our concept of God is wrong. She begins to speak, verse 16. Behold, you're beautiful. So she's saying it back. She's saying it back, what he's saying to her. Listen, uh, 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 turn to 1 John four nineteen, please. You are beautiful, my beloved, truly delightful. When you think about God, do you think about he's delightful? Or is it all just fear? A distant, stoic father out there somewhere in outer space, kind of like Santa Claus, he's keeping a list. Of who's naughty or nice, and and let me just say this, church. Listen, uh, most of us traffic in the Santa Claus kind of God, the Father, where He's just looking down. Hey, you did this wrong. You did that wrong. I'm making a list. Who's naughty or nice? I'm keeping track. Listen, that Santa Claus is not Father God. God's beautiful, and He's the most beautiful, by the way, and He is delightful. He's delightful. Do you delight to go in his presence? And see, some of us don't because we haven't received that. You might want to write this down. I can't give what I haven't received. A lot of my failure in ministry came from and comes from me not being a person who's really received the Father's love. So therefore, I can't be a good father. Now don't look at me. Look at yourself. I'll talk more about me later. First John 4:19, 1 John 4:19. not the book of John, but first John. There's a first, second and third John. It's towards the Vicktty back. First John 4:19. We love, we love because why? There you go. And some of us need to say, God, I honestly, I don't love you. And that might be one of the most beautiful prayers you may utter in your life. That was my first prayer, by the way. God, I do not love you. Back when when I surrendered my life to Christ, March 4th, 1998, God, I do not, I don't, it's kind of weird. People say they love you. I don't love you like I love my mom. But if you're God, show me. And guess what? He showed me. Not only does he show me, but there's a surpassing of. It's his love. It's greater than any other love. Some of us just are, are, are religious. Don't be religious here. Don't be fake. You're not going to be comfortable here at Bow Down. Another prayer I prayed was, God, I don't, there's no way I can stop having sex. But if you're God, you got to do this. And he did it until I got married. I had a couple bumps, by the way, but anyway. But he, 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 he did things. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Jeez, that's a word for somebody. How do I know that's a word for somebody? Because I see so much hate. In the body of Christ. Like, we can't even have conversations about hard topics, and that's ridiculous. We belong to one another. We're members of one another. Jesus said that we are one because of the blood of Christ. And when I can't have a conversation without getting all up in my feelings and blowing up and walking away and arguing and and all that kind of stuff, listen, ah, that might have something to do not with me, not with the other person. But it may have something to do with the fact that I really don't understand the love of God. Because Jesus didn't respond to his accusers, Jesus blessed his enemies. Why? Because he was convinced of the Father's love, he walked in it, he knew it. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Listen, there are some spouses that you're claiming you love God. And then you have hatred towards your spouse. And let me just say to you, you are a liar. You neither know God. You don't know God. If you knew God, there would be the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy. Peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, right? Don't tell me you're saved when you don't treat one another in a certain way. Do you have any hatred for anybody in your life right now, Christian? You might want to, Meditate on this passage. Because I'm afraid, I'm afraid for you. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying you might not be saved. And my job is to push you to work your salvation out in fear and trembling to make sure that you're in the faith. My job is not to give you a security blanket. My job is to question you. You have no desire for holiness. You have no desire for righteousness. You have no desire to love your brother, to lay down your life for your friends, but yet you're saved, you're born again because you went up because grandma made you go up in church and you pray to prayer. I don't know, bro. Cuz Jesus says you can tell the tree by the fruit. And bro, are your fruits rotten? Okay, let's get back into love, guys. Hey, understand that's that's love because truth is love. There's no love without truth. When I was in middle school, and kids would have a booger kind of hanging out the side of their face, and everybody right now is going like this, you know. <laughs> um, we would, ah, you know, look at Johnny. Middle school. But at home, if I'm going out the door and mom's there, hey, baby, come here. Let me, let, me, let me get that for you. You know why? Mom loves me. She comes close, and she covers a multitude of sin, and she comes into that uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Hey, bro, you got a booger on your nose. That's uncomfortable. It's still uncomfortable for me because I have meetings with people. Hey, bro, you got, tea, you got a piece of salad right there. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but get that piece of salad, man. It, it's not a good look. And, and it's uncomfortable for us, especially newlyweds and dating, right? We just kind of don't say, I don't want to say anything. i not, not a second date, man. All right. Verse 16. <laughs> here, here's, a, here's a shift here. Our couch. I want you to highlight that, please. Our couch. So if you go back up to verse twelve, it says his couch. Oh man! Now she's starting to 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 really really understand what's what's going on in, in, in that relationship. It's it's our couch, right? It's green, 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 right? He leaves me green pastures. This couch represents green rest. He's bringing her into. His rest, the beams of our house, our cedars, our rafters, our pine. You see that word again? Hour, hour. So three times, hour, hour, hour. She's beginning to believe. There, 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 some marriages operate out of a twoness. And it breaks the heart of God. He says, The two become one, let no one separate, but we think. We have the right to separate bank accounts. We have the right to separate out things. Hey, this is yours, this is mine. No, 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 bro. That's not God. The two have become one, and let no man separate. Women, if you are about to link up with a dude who wants to keep things separated. Understand, that guy's not led by the Holy Ghost. Because God desires oneness. And Jesus proved his love by saying, all that I have is yours. Listen, listen, listen. John 17, 8, just jot it down. Jesus said this in his priestly prayer, for I have given them the words that you gave me. See, our, 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 he's given. All the words the Father gave Jesus, he gave them to his disciples. This is the kind of oneness that we have in God. Listen to what he says in 1722. The glory that you gave me, I give to them. Hey, listen, I want you to say, I'm glorious. glorious. Doesn't that sound prideful and arrogant? Get out of that and understand you're one with Christ now. You have union with God. And the glory that He walked in, you and I, glorious. Glorious. The glory you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one. How perfect oneness does the Trinity have, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And we're called to that same kind of union, that same kind of oneness, that same kind of, whoa, man, our couch, our rafters, our house. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are his house now. And he is in you and with you and never leave you forsaken. Man, his love is amazing. And man, do we walk like that, though? Do we walk like that? Do we say our a lot? Now, I know there's a lot of confusion out there in the world about pronouns. Listen. (laughs) As Christians, we are to die to our pronouns. (laughs) I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. But after we die to our pronouns, understand our pronouns are our, our, our couch. See, some of us, we have this thinking like we get saved and all of a sudden we have all of this debt, and we think we got saved, but our debt didn't. No, 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 listen. When Jesus purchased you, he actually purchased your debt. And I'm talking financial debt. Like, it's not my debt. It's our debt, and he doesn't want you to stay in debt because the Bible says the, 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 the debtor is a slave to the lender. And God doesn't want slavery to happen in his life, which is your life in him. So stop going into slavery. Stop going into debt. Whose son says free is free indeed. There's freedom that he calls you into. But when you say, hey, this is our debt, Jesus... It relieves pressure. Why? Because you're yoked with Him, and my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You says your debt is my debt, and I purchased you. I paid a debt you couldn't pay, and I'm gonna get you out of this debt. See, our mind shifts and change. Her, she's like our couch, our couch, our couch, our house, ours, ours, ours. Guys, some of you may just need to sit in this. For weeks on end, I know I do. Because when I get overwhelmed, I've forgotten that it's ours. I'm walking in oneness, not, I'm walking, walking in a separate two-ness, not in the oneness. Because everything that I have is his. Hey, chapter two, guys. She continues to speak, and she's starting to believe in her identity, but it's not all the way there yet. She says, I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Highlight lily of the valleys, please. Uh, uh, Let me just say and put 1-6 here, 1-6, because, again, in 1-6, she's like, don't gaze at me. So, you see the transformation that's starting to take place. Transformation from affirmation. You're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. Okay, okay, I'm a little bit beautiful. I'm a lily among the valleys. I'm a lily dilly. You don't know how somebody. And he responds back, though. He, say, he stops her right there. Hey, 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 hey. Our was good in 16. Our couch was good. Our house was good. But now you done messed up a little bit. So let me speak. You think you're a lily of valleys? No, 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 no. Verse 2, you're a lily among brambles. You can put above that thorns. So is my love among the other young women. See, her identity was like, I'm just a lily of the valleys. I'm just one uh, another flower like everybody else in the valleys. And, And he's like, no, no, baby, listen, listen, listen. Compared to you, everybody else is like thorns. See, we don't see God how he sees us through the lens of the cross. We see our faults. We see our shortcomings. We see our issues. We focus on that we forget that it's been paid for, that the record of debt has been canceled by the blood of Jesus. She was dealing with shame, and and she didn't want people to look at her. She was hurt. She was angry. Her brothers were angry at her. She was overworked with religious duties and expectations. She was distracted. Her garden was full of weeds. And see, it's one thing to know that you're forgiven, you're a lily of the valleys. You're just one amongst many who's been forgiven, but it's another thing to know that you are his favorite. Psalm 45, 11 says, the king will desire your beauty. That's a messianic psalm, by the way. The king will desire or be enthralled by your beauty since he is your Lord, bow to him. You're beautiful, bow to him. Not, you worthless sinner, bow to him or else he's gonna destroy you. That's to those who do not know Christ. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. So you can bow now or bow later, but you will bow. And if you don't wanna bow to him, you will get crushed. He will crush you. He will send you to hell. But for the Christian, He's enthralled by your beauty. He's desiring your beauty. Since he's your Lord, bow to him. It's a totally different thing. It's a totally different thing. Because you have God's spirit inside of you. You've been forgiven for everything that you've ever done. And everything that you will ever do, he's in love with you. And see, how can we, the first verse we read, 1 Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in love? How can I do that? Well, I've got to receive it first, 1 John 4. I've got to receive it in order for me to walk in it. And there's been blocks in our lives where we just can't receive because of past hurts, hurts from churches, hurts from people in our life, misrepresenting God. And listen, as a pastor, man, I've misrepresented God to people. Because my flesh got in the way. Because I was immature in my walk. Because I had wounds and issues that I didn't deal with. I know the church has inner healing, but I don't have time for that. Jesus says, you're the most beautiful woman in all creation. He's saying, I love you, you're beautiful, you're just what I want. She feels dirty, ugly, rejected, shamed, don't gaze at me. But that's not how he sees her. Even in her immaturity, Jesus, he says, you're a lily among thorns. What do thorns represent? Thorns represent curse. The crown of what? Thorns on Christ's head. Compared to you, my beloved, everything else is cursed. <sighs> Help me to believe that, Jesus, because I just don't. Remove the things in me that are hindering that reality because that's what your blood speaks over me. The cross speaks over me. See, may God help us to receive this in such a way that it affects how we walk. Verse 3 As an apple tree, I sat among the trees of the forest. So is my beloved among young men with great delight. I want you to highlight that great delight. I sat in his shadow and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Great delight. Devotions aren't a chore to her. They were a delight to her. I remember growing up listening to the song in church read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Great song. It's true. But man, the motive could be wrong. What if I just want to grow and become a super disciple? I've fallen into that in my past. And the motive for me studying, the motive for me learning, the motive for me was not that God could be glorified, but was I could be the smartest guy in the room and show people how much I know and let them know, man, hey, you need me to minister into you. Guys, that's in everybody here, by the way. It's in all of us. And God wants to break through this stuff that we go to him because we love him, not for what he can do for us. He's not a prostitute. Amen. We don't go to him, but we delight to be in him. She says, I sat down. She's sitting down. She's resting completely. She's, 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 she's at a place of receiving. And a lot of us, we, we can't be still and know that he is God. and We're too busy doing for God instead of receiving from God. And, and how do I know this? Uh, I've trafficked in that a lot because of my immaturity. And so, disciple, does resting describe your life? I'm not talking about resting like you're lazy watching TV all day. I'm talking about resting in his presence, sitting in the chair at your house, having a cup of coffee, just sitting with the father, just saying, I love you. I just love you, dad. Anything you want to show me today about yourself? And some of us are just way too busy to do that. One of the things God's doing in my life is exposing wrong views that I have about him. It's a great practice, by the way, for you to get with the Lord and say, Father, show me the wrong views that I have about you. And and, and this is a big thing. This is a big thing in all of our lives. And so I'm going to share something that's going on in my life right now. And because of our wrong views of God, many of us can't sit still. We can't taste and see that the Lord is good. And so, Jeremy, if you could put up that picture of me doing my quiet time. And by the way, I want to thank you guys, whoever gave to send my wife and I away to Hawaii. We don't know who you are, but we just thank you. Um, you know, part of my, my uh, nat- uh, nationality, ethnicity is, is Hawaiian, and I just, I just never thought I'd be in Hawaii. In fact, let me tell you something here's another issue that I have. I had a guy come up to me two years ago, found out I was Hawaiian. hey, I want to pay for you to go to Hawaii. Just let me know when you want to go. And I just kind of was like, nah, you know what? I'm not going to do that. That's no, you know. And you know what that was? That was me walking in a type of poverty spirit where I couldn't receive what God was trying to do. And then you guys came into my life, whoever you were that gave. I don't know who you were. Didn't come out of the church's budget, by the way. It was just a secret, people gathering, and... Paid for our flights, paid for our hotel, paid for the trip that we were able to go on. I, 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 I never thought I would go to Hawaii because I'm like, God, I'm not going to waste money on that. Heaven's better than Hawaii. I'll just wait. So God sent us there through whoever did it. Thank you. And so <clears throat> I'm sitting there on the balcony and I'm journaling. And all of a sudden, when I get done writing, what else is fun about you, God? I look over, and in the water, all of these dolphins are jumping and they're splashing, and there's a school of dolphins, and people are swimming over, or there's surfboards trying to get close to these dolphins, and one jumps out of the air. And I'm like, You gotta be kidding to me. I'm journaling about you being fun, and I look out of my balcony and all flipper. You know what is more fun than dolphins. What is more fun than dolphins? Only you, God. And, and that was at the beginning of the week. They never came back. We never saw them again. Just that one time, right when I was journaling, saying, God, show me that you're fun. Amazing. Now, I'm not all the way healed. Still got some issues. In fact, this morning, my wife's like, hey, you know, people at church, whoever they were, gave to us, trip, why don't you wear your Hawaiian shirt? And your little beads. And my first reaction was, that's stupid. Now, I didn't say this out loud. I'm a way better hypocrite Christian than that. I didn't say it out loud to my wife, right? But internally, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. This is, this is church. This is church, man. It's the house of the Lord. No when I'm in my pajamas, I'm in church because I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. So I had to ask for God to forgive me for that view of him. And I, I renounce that. God, I just renounce that wrong view that you are not fun. You created fun. Forgive me for that, God. And I forgive those who through their teaching, just like I've done, that have made people feel like God ain't fun. Forgive me for that. I forgive them and I release them for and I renounce that, and not only just I renounce and ask for forgiveness God, now replace. Replace. Help me to wear the Hawaiian shirt. Oh man, we're, verse four is the house of wine. That's fun. The banqueting house, the house of wine, and Jeremy, if you could put up the last one, we're going to close with this one. <clears throat> hey, I heard that. That wasn't fun. Somebody said yes up front. Anyway, that was that was funny though. <laughs> Look at what it says. He brought me to his banqueting house. That means house of wine, house of celebration. Our God is a God of fun. He turned water into wine. That was his first miracle. Come on, that's pretty fun. But then it says his banner over me was love. And I want you to leave with this and this picture here. I I took this picture off the Internet. I hope I'm not copyright stuff. But anyway, um, forgive me but this is where I want to sit. My family is usually on that, right? But they're off now. This is on my phone. This is my wallpaper. Why? Because I want to sit in this, and I want to begin to walk around like this is true, that his banner over me is love. And when I believe that, I'm going to do everything in love. Worship team, come on up. Sometimes we have a wrong view of God. Listen, if you really walked around 100% all the time like his banner over you is love, how would that change things? How downcast can you really be and depressed can you really be if you're fully convinced that his banner over you is love and it never comes off you? It's always there. It doesn't change. It just stays there. Love, love, love. You're having a bad day. Love, love, love. Peter denied Christ three times and Jesus comes to the beach. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter wanted to quit and go fishing. He wanted to go back to what he knew, but because of the cross, God says, no, you're qualified now. Feed my sheep. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. My banner over you is love. And we don't have a concept of this. We don't understand that. Come here. Come here. I need you. Now, does anybody have a baby today I can put over my head? I'm I'm not going to (laughs) do... Mufasa. (laughs) Uh, so, so if I had a baby over my head, that banner would say, would say love. Understand this. This is goodness and mercy. Hello, goodness. Hello, mercy. I need you to follow me, okay? Come on. Everywhere I go, goodness and mercy, they follow me. Everywhere I go, I got love over me all the time, and they're following me. Wherever I go, left, right, oh, okay, wait a minute. I am now to eat too much and give in to gluttony, but I turn around Hey, goodness and mercy's following me. His banner over me is love. It doesn't change. It doesn't shift. Circumstances don't matter. This is what we have to receive as people. No matter what I do, no matter where I go, no matter what I say, because of the cross, his banner over me is love. Goodness and mercy's following me. They can't stop following me. It's my inheritance, it's our inheritance. Yes. Oh, boy. All right, you guys can go sit down. Actually, you can't sit down. You got to So I went over, but hopefully you had fun today. That's one thing that God still hasn't changed. So uh, anyway, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. May we worship you. May we kiss towards you. May we rejoice in the blood of the lamb. May we rejoice in our salvation. May we really, really understand how much you love us so that we begin to experience freedom, Jesus. And I pray for those today that might be struggling, that might be downcast, that might be in despair, that you would draw them into your word and you would wash them in the water of your word so that they understand Because of the cross, they're spotless. They're without blemish or fault. They're completely beautiful. They are a lily among thorns. And you love them despite anything they've ever done. And you say you're the most beautiful. And I delight in you. And so God, speak this over us as your people. And keep doing it, Lord, please until we begin to believe it so that we can be that aroma that breaks forth in the world because we walk around convinced of the love of God. Be glorified now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.